Hi, this is Eking Reyes, and you're on The Inspiring Leader. It's a podcast where we talk about things and stuff about life, love, and learning. Our guest for this episode is Mr. Maulik Parek, an avid entrepreneur, angel investor, and highly sought-after keynote speaker, inspiring over 10,000 leaders through his seminars and workshops. More recently, he launched his breakthrough book, Future Proof Your Career and Company, where he talks about artificial intelligence, the digital natives, and the gig economy. Mr. Perek, thank you for joining the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me, Ike. I'm super excited to be here with you. Before your entrepreneurial venture, you were actually a highly successful and award-winning CEO. What finally made you cross over to the other side and pursue your passion? Sure. You know, so uh, Ike, uh, you can probably relate to this. Uh, you have a similar life path as well. But uh, I have been, uh, I was a CEO for Inspiro and before that SPI Global for 10 years. And I got to the point where, you know, I could do that job in my sleep um, because I have been doing it. I had built a great team. I was fortunate enough to surround myself with some very highly talented people. We had uh, extremely loyal clients, um, but it got to the point where I was uh, cruising along. It, life was very comfortable, uh, but at the same time, uh, I felt I was not learning enough anymore. Um, and I had to get out of that uh, comfort zone and start pushing myself out of my own comfort zone so that the learning continues uh, throughout my life versus just uh, you know what I have gone through in the past. So um, I gave my uh, company and my board a year notice and uh, they agreed to it. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, obviously what I don't like about the transition that took place was the fact that as soon as I left on March 31st, this whole COVID-19 crisis uh, took off. And so I feel really bad for my successor. I would not wish that on anybody. Future Proof is actually your first book. So what is the inspiration behind that project? And also, just right into it, please share with us what are the things that an average employee could actually do to future-proof his or her career? Sure. So, um, you know, I write that in the book, uh, what inspired me to uh, write that book. Uh, And there are two reasons, uh, one professional reason and a personal reason. Uh, Professionally, as you uh, discussed earlier, I was the CEO for Inspiro and SPI Global for 10 years. And in the last three years of my career, I noticed three very powerful forces uh, impacting the lives at the workplace. Uh, I saw artificial intelligence uh, infiltrating our jobs and our processes. I saw digital natives uh, storming the workplace in big numbers and turning it upside down because how different they are. And I also noticed uh, how the gig economy was changing not only who got the job done but also where when and how Uh, so clearly the workplace was going through massive disruption and i sense that these forces will only continue to gain momentum over the next 10 years and they may together peak as one combined force so while this disruption was going on, I, um, uh, my personal life was also disrupted for the better. Uh, my first daughter, Clara, was born in 2016. And, um, you know, any father or, or any parent would relate to what I'm saying. But uh, once you become a parent, 
uh, your life changes dramatically. You know, you look at future very differently than how you looked at it without being a parent. Uh, suddenly I started paying attention to all the small trends and uh, events that would have a huge impact on how the future may unfold. I started wondering what kind of skills and talents my daughter would need to succeed when she grows up. So uh, this curiosity, both personally as well as professionally started uh, taking me towards kind of a full-blown research project. And the book is essentially the result of that research project uh, that I have taken over for the last three to four years now. One of the topics you have actually discussed in your book would be the rise of the gig economy. My, my question to you is how should traditional companies fit themselves into this new employment model? Sure. So that's a very, very important question, Ike. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, it's like, we understand the artificial intelligence being a very powerful force. We understand why digital natives is a very powerful force. Uh, but they, they question, why did I choose gig economy as also one of the three forces? And I always share with them that uh, among the three forces, I feel personally that the gig economy is the most powerful and the most disruptive of them all because uh, it's about our own innate desire as human beings to uh, seek out freedom. Uh, we have freedom during our week weekends uh, from Friday night until Monday morning. We decide on what we do and what we eat and when we wake up and when we go to sleep, uh, who we hang out with, who we work with, uh, who we play with. But as soon as Monday morning comes along, we lose that freedom because uh, now the employer is deciding what we do, when we do it, where we do it, how we do it, and especially with whom we do it. Uh, it's the with whom we do it is the one that drives our stress level the highest at the workplace because we sometimes don't get along, get along with everybody uh, that we work with. So uh, the gig economy is going to be a very powerful force that's going to drive employees to look at other ways of finding uh, ways to earn income, uh, to make a living. Uh, and so companies are typically focused on having 100% of their workforce, um, full-time employees working from their offices. Uh, with gig economy, they would have to learn how to create a hybrid model that allows both the full-time employees as well as the freelancers to work together. They would have to figure out a way and create a system that allows these people, two sets of people, to work very cohesively together, almost as if they are one team, even though one group is a freelancer and the other group is um, just you know the traditional employees. So that's one aspect of it that the employees employers would need to be prepared for. The other aspect that employers would also need to be prepared for is that as the gig economy takes off and it, as it becomes more mainstream, uh, companies would to start uh, doing some own uh, reflection on their own culture. Uh, you know, because suddenly their employees would be in touch with their friends who have taken off on a freelancing journey and are doing it very successfully. So your employees may also start wondering, you know, if my friend can do it, maybe I can also become a freelancer. So then the question becomes, how do as a company you retain these employees? One of the best ways to do that is create an entrepreneurial culture 
uh, that allows people to come in and share their ideas and uh, allows them to create value, uh, have ideas and manifest them. If, if companies can figure out a way to do that for their employees, then employees don't need to actually go out and become a freelancer because there are also downsides of being a freelancer. You know, there is no guarantee of a paycheck coming in every month. You have to really go out and really get your clients. If you don't have clients, then you, there is no paycheck. So if you can give the best of the both worlds, in my book, I write that if you can give your employees cake and have them eat it too, because that's very hard to do, which is you give them the traditional employment, but you also allow them to create their own ideas and manifest those ideas, uh, allow them to be entrepreneurial, then you can retain uh, the employees, especially the generational, uh, the, the traditional, uh, the digital natives that are now storming the workplace. Speaking of digital natives, they're entering the workforce already and it's important for leadership to be able to catch up with digitalization. What are the top skills that a company leader should develop to keep up with this trend? Sure. So, you know, there are three very important differences between the digital natives and the other generations. And I talk about those uh, in my book in detail, but very briefly, number one, the digital natives are extremely comfortable with the latest technology um, because of their upbringing. Um, at the time, the digital natives, especially the Gen Zers, the first batch of Gen Zers became 10 or 12 years old. They already had a smartphone in their hand. Uh, and so they have only known a life where smartphone only exists and it upgrades every two years. They only know the life where Siri and Alexa are getting better and smarter every year. They know, the only life they know is where the internet speed connectivity is increasing every year. Uh, so from their perspective, in every, everything they witness in their life, uh, everything is upgrading. Everything is getting better, smarter, faster. So when they are looking for employers, they're also looking for employers who have the same philosophy about technology. Uh, employers who are going to give them the latest technology to work with uh, and continue to keep up with the changes in the technology as uh, the world continues to upgrade itself. So that's number one. The second thing that differentiates them from the rest of the generations is that they're very entrepreneurial, uh, mainly because nowadays, as you know, you are an entrepreneur yourself. So you know that uh, in order for you to become an entrepreneur, uh, digital entrepreneur, what do you need? Um, you know, if you have a smartphone, if you have a tablet or a PC and internet connectivity, you can start a business. So there is almost no barrier to entry anymore. Uh, to be a freelancer nowadays, uh, you don't need a huge brick and mortar investment. You don't need to invest heavily in, uh, you know, the assets. You can easily do everything with literally, you know, having a PC, a laptop, um, or a tablet and a smartphone and internet connectivity and you are in business. So because they are seeing their cohorts and their peers uh, being successful at this uh, economy, at the freelancing economy, they're seeing their cohorts and peers becoming successful at starting digital businesses just with a couple of things. Uh, their approach to life is now changed. 
So, you know, recently there was a study done IXA where high schoolers were asked, uh, what would you prefer? Would you like to be your own boss or would you like to work for someone else? And 72% of the high schoolers today said, we would like to be our own boss. I would like to start my own business and control my own destiny. This is very different than uh, what I went through when I was growing up because I knew starting my own business was out of my reach given my background at the time. So that's the second piece that we need to be aware of. And the third piece is that uh, they're very purpose driven. I know we, we think of them as, uh, you know, the TikTok loving, Snapchatting uh, generation um, that's quite frivolous and, uh, you know, narcissistic. But if you look beyond that very myopic and perhaps wrong uh, stereotype, you realize that they are a woke generation to begin with. They're extremely inspired to make a difference in the world that they live in. Uh, so they're looking for companies who are also equally committed to making the world a better place, uh, making environment better than what they inherited, uh, making sure that uh, they are solving some of the biggest issues facing the world today in terms of poverty and hunger, et cetera. They want to take those issues head on and make a difference in those. So they're looking for employers who are equally committed to these uh, issues. Uh, so before they commit to your brand uh, as an employer, they want to know if you are committing to a corporate social responsibility that resonates with them. Uh, before they stand with you as a customer or an employee, they want to know if you stand for something or not. So if you look at these three things that they want to work with the latest technology, they are entrepreneurial and they are purpose-driven. Those are the three things I think employers must understand about this generation to make sure they're prepared for them because over the next 10 years, they're going to be sitting in the positions of power and influence. Uh, by 2030, two-thirds of the workforce uh, in the world would be made up of digital natives, either the Gen Zers or the millennials. So we should be prepared for that. What should companies do to ensure the success of their digital transformation initiatives? Because a lot of companies, their programs on digitalization were accelerated, pivoting from the pandemic. So how can they ensure success now? What are your suggestions? Sure. So, you know, that's an excellent point. And I think we all realize the importance of digital transformation. If there is any bl blessing in disguise from the Corona, um, you know, crisis that we have lived through is that companies had no choice but to embrace digital transformation. Uh, it was forced upon us. Uh, the companies who had already embraced it in the past have fared better. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers, I was uh, reading Wall Street Journal a few days ago and I realized uh, there was an article, it said the top five technology firms in the world, the likes of Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, and Microsoft took in 18% more revenue in Q3 of this year amidst the pandemic versus last year. So they clearly did better this year than they did last year. Uh, whereas uh, some of the brick and mortar companies who did not embrace the digital transformation, the likes of JCPenney and J.Crew and Lord & Taylor, Brooks Brothers, some of the biggest retailer names in the US have uh, either closed down their shops and stores or they have gone bankrupt. Uh, the same thing applies to the food, food industry. I read an article that uh, Domino's Pizza actually took in 15% more revenue in Q3 of this year compared to last year. Whereas Pizza Hut, which is in the same business as Domino's Pizza, 
actually close their shop. They went bankrupt. So what differentiates the, the likes of Alphabet uh, and the Amazon of the world with the JCPenney and the Brooks brother of the world? What differentiates Domino's Pizza from Pizza? Uh, the number one thing is that uh, the companies who embrace digital transformation fare significantly better during this crisis than those who did not. So how do you go about it? I think one of the first things the companies need to think about when they are embarking on a digital transformation journey is that the digital transformation is not about technology. A lot of companies fail. In fact, 84% of the companies fail at digital transformation initiatives because they think it's about technology. So they go to the industry events, they hear about the latest and the greatest technology, the buzzword, and then they go and buy the technology. They stick into their legacy system, thinking that now that they have the latest technology, they are digitally transformed. But that's not the way to look at it. Technology is not the end itself. Technology is a means to an end. So the companies who are successful in digital transformation, they don't start with technology. They start with what is it that they are trying to achieve? Uh, and so they ask the questions on how can we make our customers' life easier? What problems can we solve for our customers? How can we make the whole buying process as frictionless as possible? Uh, how can we make our employees' life easier? And based on those goals about creating value for your customers and your employees, creating solving problems for your employees and your customers, you come up you come up with a bunch of goals and based on those goals, you decide what technology will need. So technology becomes at that point, a means to an end. And I give an example in my book, Ike's that, you know, Domino's Pizza, the reason why they did significantly better this year than last year is because over the last 12 years, they've gone through this massive digital transformation. I remember I used to go to US quite a bit in 2000, between 2006 and 2010. And I remember, there were only two ways to order Domino's Pizza at that time. Either you walk into their store and get a pizza yourself, or you call in and then deliver the pizza to your home. Now they give you 15 ways to order Domino's Pizza. Um, you know, you have an app that you can use. There is a zero click option where you just open the app. And if you keep it open for 10 or 15 seconds, it automatically sends you within 30 minutes, your favorite pizza that it has in its database. Um, Domino's Pizza is actually uh, one of the companies where you can just send a text message of emoji, the pizza emoji, and it will send you your favorite pizza within 30 minutes. It also became the first company to actually deliver the pizza by drone uh, just recently. And it's also one of the first companies who is trying to deliver pizza through an unmanned vehicle. Just imagine uh, how easy it would be for us to order pizza in the Corona situation where you don't have to deal with a human being coming in with a pizza to your home. The unmanned vehicle is coming with pizza and you just take the pizza from the car and uh, there you go. There is no human interaction. It's hundred percent socially distanced. And so you don't have to worry about, uh, you know getting any of the Corona or COVID-19 in your home. So, Domino's Pizza is a great example of how you go about digital transformation. You keep your customers and your employees at the center of what you're trying to do. And then you become successful at uh, transforming your company. Mr. Parekh, I already have a copy of your book and I'm very excited to 
read and really digest that book. But for the purpose of the listeners, could you please tell us where they could actually find your book and also where they could actually catch you, you know, if they want to follow you somewhere? Sure. So the book is called uh, Future Proof Your Career and Company. Uh, it's, it is available on Amazon uh, and uh, you can either purchase a Kindle version on Amazon and start reading it right away. Or you can also order a paperback and a hardcover from Amazon. It does take a long time for those paperback and hardcover to come to the Philippines. So we are giving another option to folks living in the Philippines. Uh, you can send us an email at info at maulikparek.com. And uh, we'll be glad to give you a paperback copy that you can directly buy from us. So that's an option that they have. And if they would like to follow me on um, any of the social media, I have avoided social media for all my life until very recently. I um, finally jumped into that bandwagon uh, just two months ago. Uh, and they can find me on Facebook at uh, I am Maulik Parekh. The same handle applies to my LinkedIn profile as well, at I am Maulik Parekh. And they can also catch me on Instagram at I am Maulik Parekh. And you know, if they, if they um, follow me and if they join me on those social media, as you know, I, I don't post a lot of selfies. Um, uh, there is, uh, I don't uh, really feed, feed up, you know, fill up your feed with um, unnecessary pictures of myself. Uh, typically what they will find is just uh, some sound bites, some bite-sized tips and tools and resources from the book that they can use in their daily life. And I would love to have as many of your listeners uh, join me in this journey. It'd be an honor to have them with me. Molik, thank you very much for joining us in this podcast. I've actually learned so much and I'm looking forward to actually having a chat with you again soon, maybe in another season of the podcast. But before I actually close, I would like to request for a few more words of encouragement from you for our listeners who would like to make their own mark in the world. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a student myself, so I'm not in a position where I start giving lectures to other people on how they can improve life. But I'll share a philosophy that I'm using in my life and it has served me well. Uh, and that is, uh, don't be an expert, Malik, uh, be an expert student. Uh, I have lived by that uh, maxim uh, all my life. And what that means is that no matter how high you go in your career, no matter what degrees you have, no matter how many awards you win, uh, you should never tell yourself that you have arrived. Because as soon as you tell yourself you have arrived, you stop learning, you stop growing, you stop transforming. So in the book itself, I say that uh, typically when the CEOs write the book, uh, those books are, uh, you know, pretty much the same that says, hey, look what I did over the last 10 years, uh, how great I was uh, now do exactly what I did and you'll be successful. Uh, that's not the book about. Uh, I say very clearly right in the beginning of the book that the book is anchored in the humility that what worked in the past may not work in the future. Uh, that we must uh, learn to relearn and unlearn so that we can keep up with the changing times, so that we can keep up with this rapidly changing digital world that we are living in. So my, my final thought for your uh, listeners would be that uh, 
don't be an expert, you know, always be an expert student where you're always learning and growing and transforming. That's it for today. Let me know what you think. Send in some questions and perhaps share this episode with people you know who might be interested to listen. Till the next episode. Cheers. Thank you.